0: What's going on guys? So in this episode, I'm going to do give you five deep sleepers, somewhat deep sleepers, not necessarily super, super deep on a couple of these guys, but guys that I really think are, um, you know, not not guaranteed to bust onto the scene this year, but guys that I think could very, very reasonably could have big seasons. And I think the earliest ADP out of any of these guys is going to be around 11. So uh, first guy on the list and As usual with my lists, unless I specify otherwise, these are not in any order of most likely to be a sleeper to least likely. It's just just a randomized list. So first guy on the list is going to be Patriots wide receiver, Nikhil Harry. Okay, so his ADP is round 14 and. Honestly, you you could probably even get him later than that. Sometimes I've seen him going even later than that. But this guy had a total of 105 receiving yards last year as a first-round rookie. So a lot of Dynasty owners are not thrilled with that production, obviously. But I do have some um, encouraging words to say about Nikhil Harry, who if you guys were following me at that time pre-draft, he was not a guy that I was high on. Um, I liked him just I thought he'd be a solid like number two at the next level. But I had him as a I believe a late second, early third round grade is where, where I stood with Harry coming out of the out of the draft. I didn't I didn't like the way he attacked the football in high point situations on occasion. I thought that he um, wasn't physical enough at, at times as well. And I thought that he was sort of a one trick pony with just kind of, you know, he's a he's a guy that is a go up and get it receiver that sometimes just isn't physical enough at the point of at the, at the point of the catch. So, um, yeah, there was a few other things I had that I didn't like about Harry coming out, but what I do like about him is that he is a undeniable athlete. The guy is very explosive, very dynamic, um, just athlete at the receiver position. And he, he has the size and everything that you'd like at the, at the position to be a legitimate red zone threat. Um, and I think that, The Patriots offense is an offense that's not an easy one to just come in as a rookie wide receiver and find your way around it. You know, it's much different than what he was running in college. And I think that this extra year of experience should really, really help him out, especially considering he was hurt last year and he just played in he only played in seven games, but he also only played 220 snaps. So that's like basically four games if you if he's a legitimate starter, which he wasn't, I believe he had five starts last year. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's he, he, the thing about, and I also think that Cam Newton is a guy that has shown over his career, the ability to get his big boundary receivers involved early and often as young guys like Kelvin Benjamin had over a thousand receiving yards as a rookie. And then Kelvin got hurt his second year. Devin has had a pretty solid rookie season and, um, the 2015 year where Cam was MVP, but like Cam is a guy that's it, it really doesn't matter who his receivers are. He's gonna get them. He's gonna get his boundary guys involved. If you're if you're supposed to be that number one receiver, Cam's gonna look for you. And and Cam has shown a tendency throughout his career to to prefer almost the big receivers like Kelvin Benjamin, David Funches. He did really well with those guys, and those guys were together on the same team. Uh, Funches and Benjamin and Cam look for both of them early and often as uh, in their careers. So I think that the fact that Cam will feed, I-, I know one thing, Cam will find Nikhil Harry. He will force him the ball. I don't expect Harry to have a very high catch ratio, but what I do expect is that Cam will be good for him because Cam has the ability to make things happen behind the line of scrimmage. Um, in terms of just manipulating the pocket, just a m- certain mobility that can help the receiver. And I think if Nikhil Harry can get on the same page as Cam in that regard, um, that will help. Because I don't see Harry as a guy that's going to be a uh, consistent separator. But I do think that if he can become more physical at the point of the tech, which he has all the ability to do, or at the point of the catch, um, I think that, that this could be a nice little ma- uh, match made in heaven for the Patriots in 2020. I think that. Cam will look for him. I think Harry has the ability. And if he's if he's growing like he should be, that could be a very nice pairing. And, and one thing you always need to be made aware of, or at least to consider in fantasy, is just opportunity. And Nikhil Harry will undoubtedly have opportunity working in his favor. I don't think game flow will necessarily be an advantage there for them, but I do think opportunity will be there because um, the receiving core isn't necessarily stacked. I think Edelman will be that quick outlet, consistent, high volume guy. And I think Nikhil Harry will be the red zone guy. When they get close to the end zone, look, Cam Newton will, will put it up there and let Nikhil Harry have a chance to make plays. So as a guy that you can pretty much take with your last pick and a guy that could literally become a solid wide receiver too, even this season. Um, I think that's a very worthwhile risk to take, especially because when, cam newton is there i think that if jarrett stidham was somehow or another was was the starter this year i don't even think i'd have Nikhil harry on this list but i think with cam um i I most certainly move Nikhil harry's chances for success up in my book so that's that's uh so that's first guy on the list second guy is chris herndon tight end from the new york jets now you might be saying who (laughs) and that's because herndon only played one game last season he was hurt And uh, he had last season, he had one catch for seven yards. So he's a, this is going to be his third year in the NFL. This guy is available in the 15th round, or basically you don't even have to draft him, you know, and I think that, I think that he's a guy that you should, I mean, just consider taking with your last pick or somewhere around there. And just depending on how your draft goes, but I want to tell you about what he did in 2018 and keep in mind, this was his rookie season. So in 2018 from weeks six through 17, he averaged almost three and a half catches for 45 yards a game and a touchdown every other game. So almost 0.5 touchdowns per game. So um, that shows me because that's what is that 11 games that, that he can, Be a consistent receiving option at this level and and also keep in mind that was with Sam Darnold as the quarterback so that part is good so going into his third season we should assume that Chris Herndon is is a uh, at least developing from a mental standpoint where he knows what's going on this is the second consecutive year in the same offense. Um, there's no real competition at the tight end spot for him for his uh, for the receiving tight end, so to speak, that role. So I think Herndon will be active there. We we did just watch Robbie Anderson leave, and that's what is that 97 or 96 targets that just got up and walked out the door. So, and I know they did draft Denzel Mims and they brought in Rashad Perryman, but I think that Chris Chris Herndon is a guy that could be really involved. In this offense, especially as just like a as a red zone threat down in the ends in, or down in the red area, and also just a guy that maybe four or five catches a game, I could totally see that happening. Um, I don't think he has the highest ceiling, but I do think he could be just a consistent tight end that you that just every year we see tight ends where they're not even drafted or they're taken very very late. That a couple of years ago it was George Kittle, I took him. Uh, last year, I took Mark Andrews in that role around double digit rounds, and I took Mark Andrews and George Kittle in back to back years as my only tight end. I'll tell you what, if the value is really good throughout my draft and I just can't get a tight end, I have no issue taking Chris Herndon with my last pick and just kind of seeing what happens. And if, if that doesn't pan out, I have no problem streaming tight ends because it, at, we know there will be at least one or two tight ends this season that don't even get drafted, or they get drafted very, very late, or that are on waivers at one point in time, that we can pick up and basically plug into our lineup, a la Tyler Higbee last year, which I was on that a week or two early for you guys that were following me then. Um, so that worked out. So yeah, the, the tight end position, I was uh, somebody was asking me that question the other day in, in DM. Um, the tight end position is not one that I stress out about, because for everybody that tells you about how important it is to create that advantage there, because that is true. you can if you have one of the top guys, you most certainly have an advantage, and that that right away gives you let's call it a six point advantage over their tight end. But when you draft a tight end early like that, how much are you losing on the on the opposite end of that spectrum where you could have had a receiver that's scoring? six points or you know maybe three points more than that tight end that you took at that spot and then I'm gonna drag I'm gonna pick up a guy like Chris Herndon or Mark Andrews or George Kittle late um and I'm gonna start them as my tight end so I for that reason that's kind of my justification on why I usually typically wait on tight ends especially this year there are a ton of guys that you can wait on getting the double digit rounds um That I prefer. So for me, Chris Herndon is right up my alley as a guy that even if let's say he goes undrafted and I just see him there on waivers. Well, if anything happens to my tight end in week one or two, like I know Chris Herndon is a guy I need to pick up. And I know also that Chris Herndon is a guy that I'm going to have on my radar, sort of in my watch list, so to speak, so that I know if he has like seven targets in week one, I'm just going to pick him up because I know what he can do. I just, what I don't know is, is how healthy is he? Um, I don't know how is he going to be targeted or used in the Adam gay scheme. Um, but if I see targets early, I'm picking him up. So, and if I don't, if I don't draft the tight end my whole draft, I'll take him with my second to last pick or something like that. And just, just start him week one and, and see how it goes. So as long as he's healthy, you just got to monitor the health. I'm not exactly certain about his, t- his health status at this time, but, I believe he's on track to be playing week one. So he's a guy that, you know, for again, for the ADP, for the late round, late, late round pick here. He's a guy that could potentially be a starting tight end this year for you. Nothing, nothing spectacular, but a solid low end tight end one. And in the super late rounds to me is extremely valuable. All right. So number three on this list is a serious talent. This guy for, for just the overall level of talent that this guy possesses, he should never be available in the 11th round of drafts. But he is, and that's mainly because he didn't have a ton of volume last year in an absolutely loaded offense. This is McCall Hardman from the Chiefs. Um, first thing I want to say about Hardman is, in my opinion, he's better than Sammy Watkins right now. He's a better player. And – he's not a rookie. Nobody on this list is a rookie because I feel like that's the easiest way to cop out on the deep sleeper uh, projects is to just cite rookies because there are a lot of them are going to have a later ADP and things like that. So it'd be easy for anybody to just sit there and spout out five rookies and be like, oh, those are sleepers. No, I didn't do any rookies and I and I did that purposely. So I did a lot of young guys still, but I didn't do any rookies. Like I, Nikhil Harry's a second year guy. Herndon's a third year guy. McCall Hardman is a second year guy. So the things I like about Hardman is he is literally just very, very similar to Tyreek Hill. And I'm not taking, don't take that, that comparison as a true like comparison necessarily. But what I mean is he is a smaller guy, but he is absolutely lightning fast. He is a good route runner. He is, you know, more stout than you would think by just looking at him. He's extremely quick. And and he's a playmaker like last year in kansas city he averaged literally almost 21 yards per reception 20.7 yards per catch last year um and in my opinion his usage should be used as at the absolute worst their um third or fourth option in the passing game after travis kelsey so at you know travis kelsey tyreek hill and then maybe sammy watkins is ahead of him on the usage chart so to speak early on but i don't i don't think there's any way that lasts so this guy is someone i want on my team because the upside is incredible especially in 2020 when the chiefs i mean let's face it they don't have a ton of experience in the run game with their running backs they do have a clear weakness along the interior offensive line. So they may not be able to run the ball to their, to much to their liking this year. So that may mean that they pass it even more than they did last year. Last year they passed the ball the 10th most often out of any team in the NFL at 61 and percent or just slightly under that 61 and percent mark. But my point is like, this guy could be involved as an extension, quote unquote, an extension of the run game kind of thing. He could have that kind of a role because if you don't trust your running backs to to carry a very heavy load early on as, as a rookie or I think their only other running back is a six round pick um, from last season, you may just want to want to. You know, make to because you do want to run the ball to take some pressure off Mahomes, so you may want to get Hardman involved on some endarounds and and things like that, and just some you know, we all know Andy Reid is extremely creative, so I don't think they'd have any real issue getting Hardman involved in the run game if they needed to, and I also think that just a the Andy Reid quick screen game is we all know it's on point, and you have to pay so much attention to guys like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey that running those quick screens to make Hardman are, are a very, very wise move. And I think we'll see plenty of that. So I think we'll see more, more volume for Hardman this year. And if he gets more volume at the 20 yards per catch average, I mean, it. Uh, you do the math. It doesn't take a whole lot of volume to, to turn that into some serious production. So I think that McCall Hardman this year will supplant Sammy Watkins as their number two wide receiver, number three option in the pass game. And I think that he's a guy that, that could be flirting with a thousand yard season. So I, I really like him. The more and more I think about Hartman, the more I like him. So I am high on him um, at the, you know, in the 11th round. Like, why not? There's no no reason not to like him. And also one thing, one more thing to consider, Tyreek Hill is coming off a season where he did have some injury issues. He wasn't he didn't play the full season and he, he you know, so that he's a smaller guy. So that's something also to keep in mind there. I like Hardman at that ADP a lot. So number four on this list is another guy similar to Hardman, Mike Williams from the Chargers. He has a twelfth round ADP, and this guy, his, we saw his targets go up from in 2018 from 20, uh, from 66 targets to 90 targets in 2019, and we also saw his yards per catch go up almost what was it five or six yards. Like he he also averaged over 20 yards per catch in 2019 uh, at 20 and a half yards per catch. And that was with Phillip rivers who had a, let's say, let's face it, not necessarily the strongest arm. So for a guy that caught 47 passes, I believe it was for, you know, well over 20 yards per catch with a quarterback with not a very good arm. Imagine what he's going to do when Justin Herbert gets in there because Say what you want about Justin Herbert, which for me, he was my QB1 in this class, but say what you want about him if you don't like him. The one thing you cannot say is that he doesn't have a cannon, an absolute cannon for an arm. So um, I could see that being a very, very good match made in heaven because with, with Mike Williams, you have to ask yourself, what happens? Let's assume that Herbert's decent as a rookie, right? Because I do think he'll be the starter. I know there's a lot of somehow Tyrod Taylor has a huge fan base all of a sudden, but let's face it. Uh, Justin Herbert will be the starter there. And I mean, sixth pick in the draft. He's going to start guys. So let's just assume that he's decent as a rookie Herbert. That is if Mike Williams gets more volume, we can undeniably say Herbert has a better arm and he's and he's more of a he's accurate with the deep ball too, in my opinion. So let's just say he gets more volume from a guy that can actually hit him in stride because I personally saw several occasions where Philip Rivers short armed it and Mike Williams would have still been running if he would have hit him in stride. So I saw a lot of those type of situations last year. So I think Mike Williams is very close to breaking out. He's also entering his fourth season in general. So that's right around the time where a, a young receiver should begin to really develop and uh really come into his own so that part of it is also why I like the young guys like this not rookies again but guys that are young coming into their own that clearly have the tr- some traits that you like that have shown serious flashes of real high level production Mike Williams fits that mold for me he's a guy that's big strong fast you know can high point the football and showed us he, we've seen back-to-back seasons now with over 40 catches where he averaged over 15 yards and per catch in 2018 and now over 20 yards per catch in 2019 so he's trending up and now he has a quarterback with an absolute hose for an arm so I think Mike Williams you know could have a very very solid season uh, especially considering at 12th round ADP I love it all right fifth and final guy on my list for this uh this here podcast is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I wanted to go quarterback here and I wanted to go deep sleeper. So Teddy's available in the 14th round or later. And let me just say a few words here about Teddy. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey and Ian Thomas. So if you just look at each individual player and their skill set and how they complement each other skill set wise and and body type wise Like, this is perfect. You have Ian Thomas, this tight end, who's a very – he's he's athletic. He has good straight line speed. He's the guy that's going to work a lot of the underneath and, you know, just be a 30-40 catch per season tight end. I liked him a lot coming out of Indiana. Christian McCaffrey, we know who he is in the passing game. A short, quick pass guy. He can also get some – he can run some – I mean, really, the guy can run any route you want him to. But those are two – so Ian Thomas and Christian McCaffrey are two at the line of scrimmage kind of targets for Teddy. DJ Moore can do it all. He can be at the line of scrimmage. He can do the intermediate, and he can also be a deep threat and high point the football very nicely, and he's very physical in that regard. Then you got Robbie Anderson, who's going to take the top off the def- off the defense. He's going to be a guy that isn't a high-volume guy, but you are going to have to account for where he is at all times. And then you've got Curtis Samuel, who's sort of like a DJ Moore, but a little smaller and faster. So he's the more, you know, maybe the slot guy, the, the quick, quick game that he can take it and turn it up the field and run a long ways with it really fast. So <clears throat> the way that they're built right off the bat in an, in an offensive scheme that Teddy Bridgewater is certainly uh, experienced in. And, and that matters, especially in a COVID-19 off season where we're, we're seeing teams that aren't, you know, fully on the same page yet. I mean, Bill Belichick always says that he's installing until like October in regular years, and that's his offense. So imagine what some teams are doing, uh, and that's with Tom Brady on his team in all the last 20 years or so. So just imagine what some NFL teams are doing in terms of getting their offense installed and trying to get the quarterback to be on the same page. Well, Teddy knows what's going on. He knows the offense. He's got a ton of weapons. His situation is eerily similar to Joe Burrow's situation at LSU with Joe Brady. I mean, you have a guy that has... A really good tandem of one and two and then a solid, very good third receiver, solid tight ends, a pass catching running back like Clyde Edwards earlier, except for that guy's name is Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, it's a really good situation, especially if Russell Okung stays healthy this entire season and plays to the level that he's capable of playing at. I think the Panthers are just the perfect situation for Teddy Bridgewater to play well in, especially when you consider that the Panthers lost seven defensive starters this year, that defense as young and promising as they are in some areas. And I do love Jeremy chin, Derek Brown's a good player, all that, but game flow should be an advantage for Teddy Bridgewater when it comes to fantasy, because the Panthers at the very least, if they're not losing every week and, and having to you know, pass it a lot because of that they're going to be in some high-scoring games because the defense is just going to be a work in progress. I'm not saying that they don't have a promising and bright future. I am a Panther fan. But what I am saying is, for fantasy purposes, if Teddy Bridgewater is your quarterback, I like your chances because you're paying nothing for him. You're getting Teddy super, super late. And he's going to be passing the ball, and we know that Teddy's accurate. And if he's just that, if he's just going to be able to get the ball out quick and accurately – he has playmakers that can that can make plays after the catch. So, I really like Teddy Bridgewater at this price. I think he's an awesome deep sleeper option. And uh, yeah, so that's my list, guys. I appreciate you guys listening again. And um, if you want to talk further about this, you know the drill. My DMs are open on Twitter. That's at Fairshake FB, and on Instagram, I'm at Shake Football. All right, guys. Peace.